It's been way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by. Hey guys! Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. Is Justin over here in Los Angeles? We've got Mike over in London. Hello, my friend. Yo, what is up? Just you know, reveling in the Christmas spirit, in the Hanukkah spirit, in in everything. Happy holidays! Happy holidays, indeed. Christmas has once again let us down with Omicron ruining everything as usual. Thanks, Christmas. Gosh, unbelievable. At the same time, I also just got back from the pub like two hours ago. So <laughs> I, you know, Christmas spirit. Oh, so you're you're really crushing the Christmas spirit. Yes, yes. I've been unfortunately. Uh, I have I have COVID. Ugh. Maybe that maybe that Omicron. Fuck. And so we've just been sort of hunkering down over here watching Christmas movies, which is perfect and perfect a little bit for our topic today, which uh, we'll call it Christmas adjacent is what we're going into today. Am I right, Mike? Yeah, this is top five, not a Christmas movies. Yeah, you know, last year we did a really an epic episode. Still one of my faves. Oh, and we did a massive countdown with you and Alex. You guys each presented your five top five Christmas Christmas classics. I think is what we call that. I gave my Christmas horror versions. This is our top five, not a Christmas movies. Movies that yes. are you know sort of Christmas, kind of remind us of Christmas, but ultimately. When push comes to shove, we would say they're not Christmas movies. Yeah. So maybe they, for whatever reason, they remind us of Christmas. Whether it could just be a personal memory, it could be it takes place at Christmas time, it could be that it just takes place in the winter. And, you know, it's, it's, you're going to hear our reasonings. But yeah, they're not a Christmas, Christmas movies. You had to get some Christmas themed eps in here. We got another one coming next week. For Boxing Day, just in time for Boxing Day, right, Mike? Big shout out Boxing Day. Uh, still Big. planning to uphold the tradition. Shout out Dylan uh, of watching you on Boxing Day. Oh, wow! Even though it came out earlier, but wow, you're really you're holding it down by making it the OG way. I really, it's been tough. It's been tough. You know how badly I want to watch it, but the tradition must live on. Yeah. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, the Netflix show you typically premieres the day after Christmas on Boxing Day, December 26th. And this year, due to some, you know, COVID delays on the third season, it came out a bit earlier. But Mike is being a being a mensch and he's waited till the original day. And I'm very proud to say my brother who's been on the podcast, Dylan Cohen, he wrote episode eight of the third season. So if you have not watched it, you go check it out, motherfuckers. Watch you do it. So much Christmas spirit. We're getting here. We're doing this thing. Not a Christmas movies. Should we just start this thing up? Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Who's leading us off today? Uh, all right, I'll go. I'll do it. Do it. I'll take do it. Do it. I'm going with 1996's The Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, wow. Great pick. 
I watched it this past week. Oh, really? Okay. I did. All right. Well, I'll, I'll intro it, and then I'm very, very curious what you thought about it. Um, so this is uh, starring Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. Of course, mm-hmm. listeners of the pod know I'm obsessed with Gina Davis. Love her so much. If I mean, everybody likes Samuel L. Jackson, let's be honest. And this is directed by Rennie Harlan. So also directed Die Hard 2. Kind of a Christmas movie. Maybe... Maybe we'll I mean, it is. Later, yeah. Later. In yeah. This spot. I mean, we know Die Hard 1 is 100% a Christmas movie. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but Rennie Harlan, I mean, Deep Blue Sea, we've talked about on this pod. Wow. Uh, you know, this is the film that he did after Cutthroat Island, also with Gina Davis, which was like a disaster that scared everybody off pirate movies until uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, but yeah, so this is a... It's I don't know. This is kind of a strange film. Uh, so it's written by Shane Black, and I think that's important because you can see mm-hmm. a fair bit of the movies that came before and after in this film. You know, there's aspects that are sort of lethal weapon. There's some kiss, kiss, bang, bang in there. Maybe in some, you know, the nice guys later on. But uh, this is uh, it's all about Gina Davis, and she basically she, it starts kind of midway through her life that she's leading having woken up with amnesia like eight years prior. So she, she woke up, she had amnesia. She doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know what's going on, but she's kind of settled into her new life as kind of a small town um, teacher. She's in a a Christmas parade, which is the beginning of why it's, why it's Christmas. Um, And then on her way home from a Christmas party, she gets into like another accident hits her head and she starts to kind of realize who she is, which is like a contract killer. Um, and it leads to this whole thing at the end, which involves the Christmas parade um, again. So it's all kind of hanging around Christmas, but it's it largely ends up being kind of a, an action an action movie kind of with, mm-hmm. with where she... It's, it's sort of a lethal weapon thing. I mean, would you say where it's kind of her and Samuel L. Jackson sort of reprising those roles, kind of mixed with a porn identity amnesia thing, and then she kind of goes full like like femme fatale sort of looking thing. It's, it's kind of a weird mashup of a movie, which makes it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a bit of a wild movie. It's kind of like unfocused at times. Like it's mm-hmm. maybe not my favorite movie of all time, but, but all of that gives it, you know, it has its own identity. It's a wild movie. You never really know what's going to happen. And it's, it's kind of a fun ride. What did you think about it? I agree. I mean, okay. The part, the thing about the movie that really got me the most, cause I think, what did you say? Is it 96? 96. Yeah. So it's just so clear that Samuel has somewhat recently come off Pulp Fiction and there's just so much Pulp Fiction-esque Samuel and it just cracks me up throughout the film. So many lines and um, yeah, I'm with you. It's a little bit all over the place and a little bit wacky and like obviously you and I like, you know, stuff that's a little bit all, a little bit out there, but um. Yeah, I thought there was stuff that worked, stuff that didn't necessarily work that or maybe just didn't age as gracefully. But like, but I thought they both did a really good job. I thought in general, you know, fun little thriller action film set around Christmas time. Um, interesting enough plot. Like, I thought it was solid. Yeah, and it's it's it is a good point to mention about sort of where Samuel is in his career, because in the in the original draft of the script, Samuel was supposed to die at the end, um, which would definitely make sense once you've seen the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But they were like immediately like, no, like this guy is, he's now officially too big to not be like the Loki hero of this film. So they couldn't kill him. So spoiler alert, he doesn't die. Wow. 
what a spoiler alert. We'll accept it. I mean, it's, you know, it's 96. We're talking 25 yeah. years. Yeah, we are. We are. It's a great number five. And you know what's just so wonderful about your number five? It's coming right back to Shane Black. Oh. Because my number five is 2013's Iron Man 3. Oh, okay. There's a lot of Shane Black choices that can fit this category, and I did not know Iron Man 3 was one of them. So Shane Black, I mean, as I believe you you know, the man is obsessed with Christmas. It's like a thing of his. He clearly is, yeah. Yes. And like so many of his films are set around Christmas time. And we can add Iron Man 3 to the list. I will, um, you know, if if you haven't been living under a rock for the last, you know, 15 years, you know what Iron Man is. Most famous of all the Marvel characters. There's been three standalone films. He's in the Avengers films. He's in some of the other Marvel films. Anywho, Iron Man 3, the final solo film of his. You had Iron Man 1, which was in Robert Downey Jr., Jr., of course, uh, playing Iron Man. But Iron Man 1 sort of blew the door open for Marvel. Fucking fantastic film. Iron Man 2, I thought was, you know, decent, but it was definitely a step down from 1. I think 3 is sort of the underrated gem of the of the 3 because while not necessarily as good as the first, it's a totally different plot line, like completely different from the first two. And it's sort of a bit smaller. And, it, and yes, it takes place in the winter around Christmas time throughout the film. And it just honestly gives off Christmas vibes through the whole thing. Like, I don't think anyone would really look at you after watching it and say, Oh, that's a Christmas movie. No, it's, it's a comic book movie, but it's set all around that time of year. And there's a little boy involved and it's, it's a great movie. Um, And it really gives me that, at times that cozy Christmas feel, which is, which is special. So yeah, I, I really, I really like this one. And, and Shane Black is awesome. Also, I got to give a big shout out this screenplay, which was, you know, partly written by Shane Black. And then he directed it was also co-written by Drew Pierce, who one of our dear friends of the pod, Dr. Action, Ian Fisher himself he has worked with Drew for many, many years now. And so Drew is, in a, in a sense, an outside part of the Top Fives family. Goddamn, I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Yeah, amazing. and Ian still works with Drew to this day. And, and yeah, he did great, great job uh, putting his touch into Iron Man 3's screenplay, which I thought was great. But, yeah, I mean, dude, Shane Black, if we go through Shane Black's films, it's outrageous. Like... We've got what we've got lethal weapon. Uh what else is we've got yeah, long kiss goodnight. Kiss kiss, kiss bang, bang bang is pretty Christmas Eve now. A hundred percent. Uh The Nice Guys ends, I believe it's Christmas Eve, the very end of that film as well. I think you're right. Also, doesn't um does one of Last Boy Scout or Last Action Hero take place in the winter or am I making that up? That's a good question. It feels like Last Action Hero could be a Christmas film. Because it has like a very, you know, it's kind of like a dream-like sort mm-hmm. of thing. That's a good question. I don't know. I feel like one of them might. But anyway, like you said, the man is, he makes great action films and he's low-key obsessed with Christmas. Yeah. And Lethal Weapon, of course. I think we've agreed that Lethal Weapon is a Christmas film, right? 
I fully think it is on our yeah. previous pod, as you, as you mentioned, you know, everyone kind of accepts, well, maybe not everybody, but you should be accepting that Die Hard is a Christmas film. We both forget Lethal Weapon, also a Christmas film. Absolutely. Also a fantastic film. Both just such quality movies right there. Uh, so, yeah, it's been the Shane Black show at number five, but yeah, incredible. it's time to move on to number four. Incredible. All right. My number four, um, arguably the most Christmas film of any on my list. I mean, all of mine involve Christmas in some way, at least the ones that made my, my true top five. Um, and I think some people may argue that this one's Christmas. So curious where your take is. And that is 1983's Trading Places. Oh, yeah, definitely the most. Well, I don't know the rest of your list, but yes, yeah. that I would say like I haven't seen it in a while, but I've seen it. I obviously in doing some research for this episode came across, re, you know, being re-reminded and definitely gives off heavy, heavy Christmas vibes. Yes, though, to say that it's a Christmas film, you're going to have to admit that there's a Christmas film with blackface. And where Paul Gleason gets raped by a gorilla. So that's that's a tough sell. That's a tough that sell. It is a Christmas. really tough sell. I'm not going to lie. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, a real classic comedy. John Landis directing. John Landis, who is not a very good person at all. I just wish I just feel like I need to say that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Um, really early role for Eddie Murphy, to be honest. And it's it's kind of a classic plot. I know it has some uh, similarities with the the Prince and the Pauper, um, but it's you know Dan Aykroyd is like an investment banker. Eddie Murphy is I don't know sort of begging on the street, and they you know basically through just the sort of sick fun experiments of other millionaires, they they're forced to kind of trade places um, and and see kind of what happens with the two of them, um, and the the hilarity ensues. There's a uh, a great role from Jamie Lee Curtis as well, who kind of was initially not going to be cast because at this time she was mostly just doing horror films. Um, but she's amazing as as this like kind of a hooker that helps uh, Dan Aykroyd throughout the film. And it's yeah, I mean, it's just just a really fun comedy. It's you know, I watched it again this week and it's it's unfortunately still kind of relevant um, in our world where we have such dramatic kind of inequality. Um, especially in the U.S. of all places, but it's it's a really really good movie, really strong third act, great kind of character development, I should say. Some of my favorite performances, really, from everybody involved, and it's as far as a Christmas movie. I mean, it's it all kind of takes place in like the few weeks leading up to Christmas, and kind of culminates on January second. So the whole thing has those vibes, but there's like a really memorable. Christmas party scene, Dan Aykroyd gets dressed up as Santa. Um, so it's kind of those vibes sort of all the way throughout. But like I said, it's not, you know, in tone, it's not really what you get from a typical, typical Christmas movie. Yeah, I'm with I, I from what I remember, I feel you there. It's definitely not like I don't think anyone would look at you and be like, oh, yeah, it's a Christmas movie. But I think people would be like, oh, yeah, like I do in a sense, associate it with Christmas, which is sort of exactly what we're going for with this list. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, we've very recently done our top five movie what ifs. And in doing the research of this movie, um, the initial idea was to cast in the two starring roles instead of Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, who are both great in it, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Ooh, 
not not a bad idea. No, uh, at all. Kind of would love to see that. Gotta be I'm intrigued. Yeah. Ooh, I like that little fun fact. Little fun fact, and uh, yeah, what hit me with your number four? Okay, okay. So my number four, taking us to 1995, and that is the one and only Jumanji. Oh, okay. So yeah, hit me with this because I'm not recalling why this is kind of a Christmas movie. Okay. So obviously, if you know Tale of Jumanji, it's a like fantasy adventure film. Stars Robin Williams. We've also got Kirsten Dunst in there. So the reason it's a Christmas movie, and the reason that I, in addition to the sort of on-the-nose reason that it can be considered associated, I'll give you two reasons. So one, at the very end of the film, there's a scene that takes place on, like, they're at, like, a, it's like a Christmas party at their house. It's like the final scene pretty much of the film. It's like the second to last scene if we're getting technical. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Robin Williams is dressed up as Santa in that scene. So that's a literal, it's in the film for a moment. The other reason, so that's sort of what tips it off for me and gets gets me started with getting a little bit of a Christmas feel. But for me personally, when I get to December... I like to watch a lot of Christmas movies, a lot of movies that get me in the zone for, you know, get me in the mood. And this movie, there's something about sort of, I don't want to call them kids movies, but but we'll call them family films. We'll say fun for the whole family films that really gets me in that Christmas spirit. And this is just such a classic of my childhood that the fact that there is a scene that involves Christmas, even if it's just two minutes of the movie, plus this very well-rounded fantasy adventure, um, you know, just good old-fashioned family fun film. And, I mean, you got Robin Williams in there. It doesn't hurt. It's just a great fun movie that is the type of movie I want to watch in December. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, admittedly, it's been a minute since I've seen Jumanji. Uh, I might have to go back and watch it. I had it's great. It holds up pretty well, maybe. Obviously, a big Robin Williams fan. And, you know, just, just while we're here, have you seen, you know, the newer Jumanjis? What's up with those? Are they any good? So, have you not seen them? No. Okay, so I have seen them both. And um, the first one, I have to say, I went in really skeptical i thought why are you doing this come on it's fucking great i really it was for me the surprise whatever year that was that that came out i want to say maybe 2019 i don't know 2018 but that was like the surprise of the year for me i've probably watched it it's one of those movies let me put it this way it's absolutely harmless fun sort of like the first the original but it is indeed fun. It is indeed actually funny. Jack Black is amazing in it, steals the show. And they do a fun spin on the concept that makes it very enjoyable. And honestly, one of the first movies in a while that does feel a little bit like classic might be going a little overboard, but one of those movies that, yeah, you could sit down with the whole family and have a good time and everyone's going to find something funny about it. And like, it's a movie that I very admittedly have probably seen at least five times because it's one when it's on, 
I'm just like, you know what? This is such an easy watch. The characters are funny. I get a kick out of it. And it's one of the few times I think that The Rock's, the persona he uses in every movie now, it actually really works really well in this movie. And and Kevin Hart, who I'm also not typically the biggest fan of, kills it in this. Everyone's top of their game. Second one I'm trying to remember. I believe that I thought it was not as good as the first but I want to say it was still enjoyable. Either way, bottom line, Mike, you got to check these out. Check them out. Okay. I got to do a full Jumanji rewatch. Yeah, you should. And, and yes, okay. you should because the the new ones do, in a small way, connect to the original. Okay. All right. Well, Jumanji, a not Christmas Christmas movie, and watch the other Jumanjis. I'm, I'm excited to do that. Yes. I really needed to get around to it. Okay. My number three is a movie that takes place around Christmas, but is in no way a Christmas movie. Um, And that is the 2005 Australian film, The Proposition. Have you ever seen this? No. It's kind of great. So it is directed by John Hillcoat, who later did uh, The Road um, and another film called Lawless. He also did A Black Mirror. Wait, he did Lawless? Yeah. Dude. I love Lawless. Okay, so, well, you know that Lawless then was written by Nick Cave, the Australian uh, singer-songwriter, right? And yep. this is like kind of the first film that he wrote. Uh, so they no did the two of them shit. together. Yeah, and Nick Cave did the music for this film as well. So obviously it's very solid. And this is uh, this film stars Guy Pearce, uh, Ray Winston, um, Emily Watson in there as well, as along with a number of Australian actors. Um, and, and it's... Uh, so Guy Pierce is his guy because he's also in Lawless. Exactly, yeah. And and for the, for what it's worth, Guy Pierce he plays uh, Irish in this movie. He doesn't play Australian. I don't nice. know why. I thought that was important to mention. But it's a uh, it's all kind of surrounding like sort of the colonization of Australia. So it's not all Australia. It's Australian actors mixed with like British actors for the most part, um, which is why Ray Winston is in there. And uh, basically, the plot of this one is that. So Guy Pierce is um, he's part of kind of like a small gang, let's say, of like outlaws with his brothers and he is captured. So he has one brother that's now in prison and one brother that's like sort of still an outside like like on the lamb, so to speak. Um, and basically it's, it's something like 10 days before Christmas and he has 10 days to go find his outlaw brother to bring him in. Um, and that will like save his younger brother's life, if that makes any sense. Um, and it is uh, so it, it all kind of leads up to it. There's a memorable like Christmas dinner scene kind of later in the movie. But in every other way, this is like not a Christmas movie because it's 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 again, it's it's around colonization. There's a lot of like like kind of backdrop of like racism and classism, um, very sort of uneasy atmosphere unflinching kind of violence uh throughout the film and it's this is you know the story of this movie doesn't totally blow me away but like everything else about it is is awesome like it's it's there's so many great performances it looks amazing it really captures kind of the time and the place um nick cave's music is great uh it's really kind of say the values of a classic western but put onto this like australian landscape at the time of kind of colonization and it's it's yeah it's it's a really it's it's a difficult film to watch in a lot of ways it doesn't give you 
a lot you have to really kind of think about it and, and sort of get into it and think about what it means and that type of thing but it's a a movie set at christmas with almost none of the typical christmas values dude i need to see this i'm very excited to see this i did not know you were a fan of lawless i mean i think you'll really really dig this big thing. fan lawless is like it, like if people ask me, okay, in the last like 10, 15 years, are there a couple movies maybe I haven't seen that I should see? I always give them Lawless. Have you seen uh, The Road for what it's worth? I have, and I have to admit, I'm not a massive fan of it. You know, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I saw it when it came out and I didn't think it was like super amazing. But the more like the more people like talk to me about it, the more I'm like, I think maybe I just missed something. I have to go back and watch it. I'm down for a rewatch because, yeah, it's been a while for me. I think, I, I think I've only seen it once, maybe twice. But back in the day, I think it came out, what, like maybe 09 or somewhere around Something there? Something like that. It's between the two and Lawless is 2012. Yeah. So, yeah, so 09 or around there sounds right. Yeah, I saw it, I think, in theaters and then maybe once more. But, yeah, I'm due. I'm due. It's probably been close to 10 years since I've seen it. And that's, you know, and that's really it. John Hilko has done a shit ton of like music videos, but as far as features go, that's, that's pretty much it, I think. So, um, an interesting team, as you already said, they kind of, they, they work together frequently. So absolutely check out the proposition. Great. Number three. I didn't realize we were at number three till just right now. And I was like, oh, coming right along. Number three. Here we are. We're coming along. All right. Well, I will give you my number three, which takes us to 1997. And that is L.A. Confidential. Okay, here's the thing. I have it higher. Okay. But it's my number two, so I would be talking about it right next. So let's just, you, you go ahead okay. and we'll tag team. Let's fucking do it. Well, I'm so glad we both have this because this is just a phenomenal movie. Yeah. Directed by Curtis Hansen. Stars uh, Kevin Spacey, who I know, unfor- you know, well, not unfortunately for, you know, him, but... For all of us, because he was obviously a great actor, but he's a fucking yeah, fuck that guy, you know, piece saying. of shit. So fuck him. But it stars Kevin Spacey, Russell Crowe, Guy Pierce, Kim Basinger, Danny DeVito, James Cromwell. Is a great cast. And at the time, also when this came out, uh, Guy Pierce and Russell Crowe were pretty much unknowns. Am I right with that, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So it's like a neo noir crime film, and it takes place in the 1950s and it takes place right around fucking christmas time um it's just an absolute like i honestly considered putting it higher like the the two that i do end up having higher just have a little bit more personal tie to me but this is a movie that i sort of think sometimes gets i I don't know forgotten's the right word but overlooked in the sense of this is in a top tier movie and Sometimes I'm like, how the fuck does this not get brought up more today in modern times? Because it it holds up very well. And they just they crush it with the time period they're going for. And yeah, the whole thing is sort of set in and around the time of Christmas. It's sort of involved very literally in the plot. There's a Christmas party at one point, And it is just it's awesome. I want you to go into it a little bit, Mike. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I mean, it is it is strangely like I admit that even I kind of forget about it. And then like even just in researching it this week, I was like, oh, yeah, this was nominated for nine Oscars. 
and, and granted like most yeah. of those were won by titanic but like still it's like damn this was like a massive film like this is really good and they won too shout out kim basinger and it won yeah. best adapted screenplay yeah so i mean it, it's 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 a really solid film i re- i rewatched it this week i really really enjoyed it i kind of think this is one that it just keeps growing on me because it's really one for sort of like cinephiles or people that are really yep. like into Hollywood culture, right? Because it's all about kind of the sort of celebrity, like I guess modern day, like TMZ sort of aspect of it. Um, along with the fact that like, you know, it's it's really deep. Like the whole thing has to do with like like prostitutes that are specifically made to look like various movie stars from the 50s. So it just like gives you all those like cinephile feels that i think i just love more and more year after year it it goes up and up on my list of like best films from the 90s it's it is a special it's a great great film and it's sort of like it kind of surprises me like no disrespect but it kind of surprises me like every time that it's like wow curtis hansen adapted this and like directed it and it's like we've talked about hand that rocks the cradle on the pod i think that's a really cool movie and like obviously eight mile we think is a great movie but it's like it's a bit of a strange film for his uh, sort of filmography. You know, it's it's kind of, I don't know, not necessarily a cut above, but like in terms of like critical praise, it's it's by far like the best he's ever done. Definitely. By far. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite Danny DeVito roles. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I love agree. this kid. Can we also just take the slightest segue and say how incredible Danny DeVito is just in general as a human, as an actor, as everything? Dude, he's amazing. Obviously, you know, he's done so much in his career. And then just even later in his career, like we've talked about Sonny, obviously, a million times on the pod. But, mm-hmm. you know, I had considered uh, I looked into his filmography a bit for our movies directed by actors. And then I was like, Jesus, Danny DeVito has directed like goddamn 20 films. Like he can't he can't be included anymore. Like he just does it all. No, he does it all. And I have to say, like, I know this is just a random thing, but I've always heard living in L.A. that he's one of the nicest people in Hollywood. And my, you know, Alex, who's been on the pod multiple times, who you all know. Uh, my fiance, she used to work years and years ago at this um, as a server at one of the like pretty famous restaurants in L.A. and would always serve different celebrities. And she always contends that of everyone, a lot of A-listers, Danny DeVito, without question, the nicest. I I believe it. I mean, the I man's a legend. What could you man's say? The man's a freaking legend. legend. I mean, we can't say enough about Danny DeVito, but I mean, it also Kim Basinger. So has that eight mile connection with Curtis Hanson. She's yep. great in this. And she's she so good. Um, but really all the leads, I mean, the, the ability to kind of give each one a unique personality and then, you know, wrap them up so beautifully and how they play off each other. Russell Crowe, Kevin Spacey and Kai Pierce. Uh, it's I know it's adapted from a novel, but it's uh, it's it's really just a fantastic screenplay. It is. And and. There you go. That's why I won. Fantastic movie. Love that we both have it. If you, I mean, we're gushing about it, but truly, if you haven't seen LA Confidential, do yourself a favor and go watch it. It is a top tier movie. Yeah. Currently, currently on UK Netflix. I did not know that until I just set out to watch it again this week and I was pleasantly surprised. Maybe, maybe in the US as well. I don't know. Beautiful. I love hearing that. Um, So that's your number three. That's my number two. 
quick pause to say, I feel like you and I haven't had an overlap in our list in a while. Is that just me or does it feel like it's been a minute? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. So I'm sort of pumped up that we just had one. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, and, and I felt like it was for a really good one to overlap on. One that maybe, it's one that sort of is at an intersection of you and me. Yeah. And sort of our tastes. And also one that we want to bring into the spotlight for people that maybe haven't seen it. Completely agree. And that, uh, okay, so that brings us to your number two. Okay, very excited to talk about my number two. Another, speaking of movies, I'd actually say maybe this goes the other way where maybe it wasn't so popular when it came out, but it's undeniably a cult classic now. That would be 2008's written and directed by Martin McDonough in Bruges. Okay, so that's my number one. (laughs) Hey, we got some overlap this episode. Wow. 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 All right. Go ahead. I mean, no, you start. It's your number one. You're starting on in Bruges. (laughs) Okay. This is incredible. We really haven't done this in a while. Um, no. Yeah, I mean, this is Martin McDonough's first feature. You know, he's done a few since then. Obviously, I think Three Billboards is probably like his most famous because in Bruges, I think only ever had like a limited release, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, I mean, it's it's a real, real black comedy um, with Colin Farrell, Brendan, Brendan Gleeson, and Ralph Fiennes for the most part. And I just, man, I... I just think this is one of the best screenplays of the 2000s. I mean, there's maybe, maybe totally like three minutes of fat in it, but it's, it's, it's super funny. Uh, you know, it's obviously incredibly dark. It has to do with like hitmen. Um, it's, it's really poetic and it just kind of the way that the story kind of comes together. Uh, it's just really, really well, well thought out. And it's his debut. I know. I know it's insane. It's insane, really. And and the things that he weaves in there in terms of like references to other artists and art. Um, I'm a massive fan of Colin Farrell. I think he really gets to, you know, he can have that kind of like boyish charm that I think he gets to show off in this movie. But I also, you know, Brendan Gleeson, I feel like you don't get a lot of comedy from Brendan Gleeson a lot, but he's really funny here. Hysterical. Um, and, and similarly, you don't get a lot of like gangster Ralph Fiennes. Uh, which just is just a hilarious character in this. I love it. Um, and I just, yeah, man, this movie, I, I also rewatched it this week, and I just, it's just really, really fucking good. Well, and the truth is, like, all three of those lead actors in this are on top of their game. They're all fantastic. And like you said, Gleason and Fines maybe doing stuff that we don't always see from them Colin Farrell getting a chance to sort of just all around kill it, like in all the different ways he's good at. And I'm with you, by the way, Colin Farrell, I think is one of the, for guys that sort of had a shot at superstardom, I think he's a little bit on the underrated side Yeah, yeah. and he has some unbelievable roles such as this one, but uh, it's, it's the screenplay is unbelievable. The execution is unbelievable. It's about as, tight and perfect of a movie as you could get in the last 20 years i think yeah yeah like you said there's not a wasted minute the scenery too the setting of bruges is incredible um it's such a part it's perfect that the movie is called in bruges because bruges really does play such a large part in the story itself and of course it's all set in the winter time around the holidays and so 
it's impossible not to evoke some form of Christmas thought. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like this because it's it's always hinting at Christmas, but like basically never saying Christmas. Never. Like they they have to get the same hotel room because it's Christmas time, so there's no hotel rooms available. Or like there's a scene later in the what is it, bell tower or church tower or whatever the fuck you call it. You know, where it's like, oh well, no one's gonna be up there because it's Christmas time. You know what I mean? It's stuff like that, but it never really says Christmas, but constantly evokes it, which makes it really the perfect. Not a Christmas, Christmas movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. It's my number one, so I completely agree with you. Can I tell you something insane, Mike? Sure. Until about two minutes before we started recording, it was also my number one. Oh, wow. 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 The classic town switcheroo. It's a classic switcheroo. Let's go. I just want to hear what your number one is. Okay. So at the last moment, I had to swap in one of my favorite films of all time, and the reason being... While not a Christmas film, there's no other film that I have ever watched during the holidays more than this film for it not being a classic Christmas film. And that is 1994's Dumb and Dumber. Okay. Wait, (laughs) why is Dumb and Dumber a Christmas film again? Let me tell you. So unlike most of the other films we've talked about today, It doesn't take place necessarily during the holidays, but most of the film takes place in Aspen during the winter, snow and snow activities such as skiing and just generally being in a cute mountain town during the winter plays a large role in the film. Jim Carrey's name is Lloyd Christmas. It's true. true. (laughs) And look, like I said earlier in regards to Jumanji, just just films that make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. There's not many films that make me feel more comforted than Dumb and Dumber. It's it's my it's my comfort food. It makes me laugh every single time. I've maybe seen it the most of any movie ever. And it's just something you put on. It's a good time. And it always brings me, if not directly Christmas vibes, just that time of year vibes. Again, you're in Aspen during ski season and they go to a couple parties. They're doing some other things. It's all stuff that I associate in general with December. And I just love the movie so much. It's got to be here because for me. It's the ultimate not a Christmas Christmas movie. I, you know, I I respect the pick because I I think in our in our honorables I'll have some as well that are like clearly not Christmas movies that just for us sort of evoke Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's just as important as something that's literally taking place around Christmas. Yes, and and my last take on it, just a couple added things that I didn't mention earlier. You know, there's there's the parts where they're all sort of in a room in one of the dream sequences and they're wearing like all the knitted sweaters. And there's, I think, one maybe it's like reindeers on it or something. And then there's just like them buying all the gifts like at that point when, of course, they have all the money. And it's just again, there's just things about it that because it's set in the winter, I associate parts of it with Christmas. I honestly forgot that 
It's Lloyd Christmas. If you're going to name someone's character Christmas, you're obviously, you know, it's like a Shane Black thing. You're going hey. for Christmas even if you're not throwing it out there. And just saying, if things had gone a different way in the movie, spoiler alert, and if Lloyd actually got to, mar- got to marry Mary Swanson, her name would be Merry Christmas. Okay. Did I just blow your mind? That, that, I, honestly, I'm just speechless. I, <laughs> this is obviously so intentional, and I just never picked up on it after all Touche. Touche. There we go. And that is number uh, one. Dumb and Dumber. Okay. Let's uh, let's recap. I'm uh, number five, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Number four, Trading Places. Number three, The Proposition. Number two, LA Confidential. And number one, In Bruges. And I am number five, Iron Man 3. Number four, Jumanji. Number three, LA Confidential. Number two, In Bruges. And number one, Dumb and Dumber. Two overlaps for us. It really has been a while. Dude, like it's been a while since one overlap. Since two, I couldn't even tell you the last time that's yeah, happened. Seriously, it's it's been quite some time. But somehow it feels right. Something about, you know, the holiday season, sharing. It's just, it's great. I love it's it. great. Uh, let's let's talk honorables. Let's talk honorables. All right. All right. I will. Uh, I want to throw out there. Please. Let's go with a few rom coms. Okay. Now I was re-listening to our Christmas episode, and you had seemed it wasn't on your list, but it was in your honorables for that episode that you had stated that Just Friends. Oh my God, Mike! Mike, he's a Christmas movie. Remember when we talked before the episode? Yes, yes. And I said I had to move a movie off because I was yes. realizing it was a Christmas movie. It was yeah. just friends. Is it a Christmas movie? It's one hundred percent a Christmas movie. Okay, I'm not so sure because because the whole thing takes place during the holidays. Yeah, there's so many scenes that are involved with Christmas. It's got. But look, let's put it this way: if people disagree with that, I think you and I would both agree that could be in each of our top fives. Would you agree? Yeah. I agree. I think Gun to My Head, it's a Christmas movie, but like I kind of forget. Like it's not like one that you only watch around Christmas time, at least for me. Agreed. You know? It's an under the radar yeah, Christmas exactly. movie. Yeah. Great fucking call. Bridget Jones's Diary. Very oh, yeah. Christmassy rom com. Yep. And I have to say, I I thought about putting this in there, but I'm glad we're talking about it here because little hat tip to our friend Casey Byron. So we're mixing a bunch of episodes here, but you had sent me, God, it must be like six months ago or so, just a screenshot of Casey Byron's top five rom-coms. Obviously, she wasn't on our episode that featured Alex. Great episode. But she had sent you, you know, just as a little little extra what hers would be. Oh, my God. And there's a film I don't think either of us had seen, a Sandra Bullock film called While You Were Sleeping. Wait, oh my God, I've been meaning to watch that and I didn't see it yet. So since you sent it to me, I've seen it and I kind of love it. You know, it definitely Ooh. has some like, sort of humdrum, like it's a rom-com from the mid-90s things about it. But at, by the end of it, it gets you. It really gets you, you know? And there's Christmas vibes. There's, it's, it all takes place from Christmas Eve until like, say, New Year's. Wow, okay. Okay. And so obviously we like, you know, Sandra Bullock. It's got uh it's got our guy Jack Warden in it. Oh. It's got our guy Sandy Cohen himself. No, Peter Gallagher? <laughs> yeah, Peter Gallagher in it. It's got our guy Bill Pullman in it. No what? 
It's kind of great, man. <laughs> I might have, have to watch this tonight. Out. You have to check it out. It's pretty solid. So shout out Casey Bowden for the recommendation. Case shout out. Um, all right. Why don't you give a couple? All right. So I'll say the other one that I kept off my list at the last second because I was like, you know what? It's a Christmas movie. End of the day. Gun to my head. Eyes wide shut. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah, that's right up there. Yeah. And some other ones that I'll throw. I got to say The Hateful Eight. Gives oh, me Christmas that's vibes. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I it's agree. in the middle of a snowstorm. I got to say Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Obviously, one of my favorite rom-coms, You've Got Mail. Yep. Okay. I'm just going to fire like two more off. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I mean, look, not the book series, my favorite book series of all time. Movies aren't my favorite, but it undeniably gives off some heavy, heavy Christmas feels being in the Great Hall with the decorations. And so definitely got to include it here on the honorables and then i'm gonna say i guess you could as a reach you could stay stepbrothers because there's a christmas scene yeah it has a christmas scene yeah that's yeah. not bad that's not bad give me a couple more um i'd say close to making my list well one we talked about before the pod is groundhog day oh yeah while while not being a christmas film you know quite obviously it's it's very heavy christmas vibes um so i i tend to watch that one sort of this time of year um enemy of the state with will smith dude wow i didn't even think about that fun it it all kind of you know he sort of gets entrapped when he's buying christmas gifts and then later he sneaks the presents into the house and it's it's all kind of there's a lot surrounding the presents so it's all kind of christmas time great call um and one that you know people may not think of immediately is the the Robert Redford film, Three Days of the Condor. Dude, that is the one movie on my list that I wanted to watch that I straight up did not get to this week. Oh, definitely check it out. It's it's kind of like in Bruges in the sense that it's like it hints at Christmas, like, you know, Faye Dunaway is in it and there's this whole plot line where she's supposed to be going away skiing for a couple weeks and it has like some like Christmas carols almost in the background, like Christmas music. Um, But otherwise it never really explicitly says Christmas. So it's one of those that kind of, kind of fits that. And uh, yeah, worth saying, I wasn't going to mention it here because we've mentioned it a fair few times on the pod, but for me, Mean Girls is always a Christmas music movie just because of that one scene. Honestly, it's enough for me. I know that's, Hey, it is enough. And Oh, you know, it's another one. Um, Catch me if you can. Oh yeah, true, true. true. And then, not my favorite. But. No, not my favorite either. As much as you know, I'm a big Leo guy. I mean, Leo's but, uh, fantastic. He is. He is. I think it's a little. Uh, people are gonna fucking yell at us for this one, but I think in the overall Leo filmography, Catch Me If You Can is not one of my favorites. Like, I think he's great in it. Yeah, no, I agree, totally. Agree. But I don't. I think the movie's a little overrated. And I don't think Tom Hanks is good in it. Anyway, not one of his best. No. performances at least um i'm trying to think there's one oh you know what's the one movie i didn't mention yet that's on my honorables silver linings playbook you know i, I have a soft oh, spot yeah, for that yeah, movie because true, true, true. that movie takes place sort of around that time frame yeah i now that you say it um i'm kind of surprised it hadn't come up already yeah i'd say that's that's it for me i mean that's that's pretty solid very solid. not christmas christmas movies what a fucking time that it's been and you know what? 
I hope everyone listening, because this is the the last episode that will come out prior to Christmas itself. I hope everyone listening has a Merry Christmas if you celebrate. If you don't, I hope you have a happy holidays. And uh, we'll see you on Boxing Day for one more Christmas-themed episode. And hopefully on Boxing Day, you'll be listening to the Blink-182 song called Boxing Day about Boxing Day. How's that for a lot of Boxing Day? Bang, bang. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang, dare I say. All right. This is is too much. This has gone off the rails. Anyways, we love you. You know how to find us if you want to tell us anything about the app. Give us some not a Christmas Christmas movies. Find us on Instagram at Top Fives and Deep Dives. Find us on Twitter at Top Dives. Mike's always tweeting good shit from there. And look, if you want to help us out, spread some holiday cheer, go on to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, just write up a little something, take 30 seconds, it's free, helps us out. And uh, if you're feeling very giving, and if you are interested in getting some bonus exclusive content, you should check out our Patreon, which we have links to on our social media $1 a month or $3 a month. We have a lot of fun stuff on there. The people that are subscribed have been telling us they love it. So if you want to give that a try, give it a try. It would make our, uh, make our months. So thanks so much, guys. We'll see you on Boxing Day. Peace out. Top fives and deep dives without a PTM. 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 My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin Tarantonius. You go check it out, motherfuckers.